This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Josh Taransky and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I'm joined by Clint Clifton. Clint, it's great to hear your voice. Good to be with you virtually. Yeah, man. You're, you know, you're the only person in my life, except for like my aunt, who says they're glad to hear my voice. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really nice. It's I, I feel extra close to you when you say that, because nobody, nobody says it except for older women in my family. No, oh, great. What does that say about me? <laughs> well, I don't know. It says that you're like as tender as an old lady. No, thanks, man. That is so kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, this is a podcast, so really the voice is all you have to go on. So, yeah. Oh, dear. Well, this is, again, a COVID-19 coronavirus episode. Uh, we are remote, not recording in the same room. And uh, this is an episode where you got a chance to interview the Littons. Yeah, Ed and Kathy Litton. Great, great, great couple. Yeah, you, you were, I, before we were talking, you were really excited about this. So, uh, man, they're, they're really just fantastic people. Um, um, I actually work with uh, the wife, Kathy, at the North American Mission Board. We work on the same team, but I've known her for years, even before we worked on the same team. And uh, man, she's just smart and godly. She's a good mix of humble and direct, you know? Mm. I mean, I don't know. It's a, They seem like contradictions, Yeah. Um, but she has a candor about her that she can speak, you know, really plainly to you. And um, it still comes from a place of humility and not a place of arrogance. I, I don't know how she does it. It's very... It's it's very impressive, uh, but love that about her and her husband too. I I I didn't really know him very well, only through reputation before this interview. Uh, but you'll mm. just you'll hear they're a dynamic couple, and they got a, such a unique story. Yeah, great story. This is gonna be fun. Our listeners are in for a treat with this interview. I'm so glad that they were willing to sit down and and give you some time. Yeah, we won't give away the whole story. We'll let them tell that. But but uh, this is, for both of them, their second marriage. Both, both of them lost their um, respective spouses after 25 years of marriage due to wow. car accidents. And, um, and so, you know, there's just there's so much, so, such a depth of wisdom in both of their lives and individual ministry experiences. She was a pastor's wife, a church planter's wife. Mm-hmm. And they've been married for 25 years with three kids. And then he uh, was a church planter and married his wife, lost his wife. And they had three kids and been married for 25 years. And so there's just so much there in terms of um, what they've uh, what they've been through, the sort of depth of suffering and difficulty, and then uh, building a meaningful life and ministry together. So, yeah. Okay, good stuff. Um, I, before we jump in, I always love to ask you this question. Is there something in this story that you're really hoping that church planters will key in on? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, actually, I think we, we talked about that a little bit in the interview, but, you know, suffering is an unavoidable part of ministry. Hmm. And every one of us 
when we go into ministry, we are thinking about the wins and the joys and the successes of ministry. But real ministry grit and real, um, just the ability to become an effective minister doesn't, doesn't, isn't forged in us through our successes in ministry. It's forged in us through our suffering mm. and through our trials and our difficulties. And just like God always does, he shapes us into the image of his son through um, through things that we would prefer not come into our lives. And had we known about them before we signed up, we probably wouldn't have signed up. And mm. um, I mean, I think for all of us, the thing we have to hear here is that, you know, the suffering is real as a minister of the gospel or as a human being. Uh, but on the other side of that suffering is a kind of wisdom that can't be gained any other way. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is a great interview. Let's jump right in. First, we're going to have a word from our sponsor, and then we'll go right into this interview. Hey, Josh, we got to figure out how to get people to write reviews. How do we do it? Yes. Uh, that means we need to motivate people to take action. You know, that's why podcasts have such a hard time. People just don't do stuff. Like yeah, here. it's yeah, yeah. And I don't either. They're driving I mean, right now on the freeway. Yeah. They can't leave a review. Like I listen it. to podcasts all the time, and I don't think I've ever written a review. Yet I find myself in this position. Yeah, where I really, really need people to write reviews. We do, and and we kind of just we we have a new feed too, so we've updated some stuff that might be hurting our algorithms a little bit in iTunes. So we yeah. really need the reviews. Yeah. We do, and uh, I don't know what to do. I maybe we should, well, just pray that God would convict the hearts <laughs> of the people <laughs> and cause them to go. Another thing they could do uh, is go on our Facebook page and, mm. and like it. And uh, there's actually reviews on our. You can put a review on our yeah. Facebook page, and that's a good place to do it too. Ed and Kathy Litton, welcome to the Church Planning Podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Hey, Clint. <laughs> it's so fun to have you guys on here. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Yeah, we've been working on this for about three or four months at least. <laughs> Schedule. Schedule. Yeah, scheduling's not our strength. Um, well, you guys, um, I have, Ed, I've known you from afar and gotten to know Kathy a lot better over uh, the last few years working together. You guys have had such an impactful ministry. I, I see ripples of your ministry and people all over the place where I, where I go. And, um, and you have a, um, a really unique story. Do you mind just uh, in, telling our listeners how you guys met each other and got together and what the circumstances were uh, that led to that? Yeah, we're big advocates of online dating. <laughs> That's yeah, not how we do it. E-harmony, huh? We're off with something corny, but uh, yeah. Uh, we both lost our former spouses in car accidents is the very short version. I was also married to a Southern Baptist pastor. Uh, and uh, But we met... A, um, when we first met, it wasn't love at first sight by any means, which is also a little interesting part of our story because people kind of look into a second marriage like this thinking it was this big fairy tale. Yeah. Right. Uh, but my husband, Rick, and I were living in Denver, Colorado when he was killed. And we were in a family on a family trip traveling to Missouri, and we were in a very dramatic car accident. And so he was killed in July of 2002. And then Tammy, 
Tammy uh, and I had um, planted a church in Tucson, Arizona, and were there seven years, a little more than seven years, and then we came here to re- to First Baptist North Mobile at the time, and um, and probably 14 years into that ministry, she was taking our daughter to a cello uh, recite, not a recital, a uh, audition at the Southern Miss University. Mm-hmm. Kayla was 13 at the time, and and uh, halfway between Mobile and Hattiesburg she ran into the back of a stalled or an abandoned semi in the middle of the highway Mm. and was killed instantly. So in both of our cases, obviously did not see that coming. It was sudden. Um, The, uh, the impact was traumatic on on all of our families. And so, but our families were very much at the same station in life too. And we Mm. were both, we have both had marriages that Rick and I were just a week away from having our 26th wedding anniversary. Yeah. And Amy and Ed. we just had our 25th. Yeah. So we had similar experiences in our marriage, how long we've been married, and the number of kids, and all this kind of thing. So and we had the same number of children. Our children were uh, the older ones were in college or starting college, and our we both had a younger one still at home. So, so Kathy, you were in the car when the accident happened. Is that, that right? Yeah. And and how how were you physically affected? My younger son and I were not hurt at all, which wow. was a very dramatic car accident. And so my older son and, and my daughter were behind us in another vehicle watching the entire thing. And they thought that all of us had been instantly taken in the car accident. And when mm-hmm. Jess and I were pulling a boat and when we popped out of the car, it was upside down, he thought, everybody was okay. Mm. You know, so it was a lot of uh, trauma and Rick and just like Tammy, their, 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 you know, cause of death and everything was very, very similar. They both died instantly in car accidents. So mm. um, there was a lot, you know, and, and I would tell you this too, we both learned a lot of things about grief and trauma yeah. when experiencing that we watched other people do that through the years. And so, uh, so our stories have a lot of similarities. Yeah. When I, when I think of that, I'm going to just, I, I think everybody who hears your story, especially in ministry and hears that story, I'm just like, I, it, it hits really close to home because it's, it's like the worst fear uh, that most of us have. Um, so before even talking about you guys meeting in your relationship, what was the journey like from the time of the accident for each of you until, until, um, a place where you were ready to sort of get back on the horse in ministry and, 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 and a relationship? Well, let me comment. Then I want Kathy to speak to this. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's very different when a pastor dies and a pastor's wife and family wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. And it's different from a pastor whose wife dies. Yeah. I, I want her to explain how, because I think most of the time as pastors, we miss this. We don't mm-hmm. consider this, but it's profound. Okay. Uh, I think as referring to the fact that he, you know, my whole life was blown up, Clint, in a way that now um, I had been teaching school some, but, you know, where I went to church, my husband's job, that whole world was gone from me. And he stayed in his same world with the people around him and all those kind of things. And Ed's very sensitive about that when he thinks about my journey compared to his. But yeah. I would just say that I had a very hard grief journey that um, I had lots of wonderful people around me, but I struggled hard. I had a faith, 
struggle with my faith and and the God that I easily believed in the light became harder to believe in the dark and the things that I easily accepted uh, and I, I look back now, Clint, and I say this all the time, good circumstances were propping up my faith and I didn't even know it. And when the good circumstances were gone, my faith had to grow in a really different way. Oh, wow. So that's kind of the short way to talk about my journey. And, and mine was, was very similar in its difficulty in my grief process, just, but, but it was all personal. It was in my, my personal struggle with this grief and what I was going to do and where I would go. And, uh, but I had an unbelievably supporting church. So did Kathy. The problem was they have to move on. Mm-hmm. And the church has to bring in another pastor who has another pastor's wife. And the, the impact on the family that suffers the greatest loss is just, it's, it's, it becomes paramount and, mm-hmm. and it becomes much bigger than, than you would hope anyone would have to go through. I just, like to recite that difference because when we're trying to help other people, especially people that are that share ministry leadership roles, that's a sensitivity we all need. Right. Uh, coaches and staffs tend to rush to get back to a place of normal, and there is no normal. And and we they have to embrace that and be patient. God knows what He's doing, mm. and uh, it just it takes time. And, and and so I I want churches. I try to encourage churches. I don't think they listen very often, but. But, you know, you're worried about bills and you're worried about future and vision. You just need to take a deep breath and realize that this is God's church. It's not your church. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do what he pleases. And in the process, be more sensitive to the people that could get crushed. And when Tammy passed away, you, you said you had a child in the car, too? I did. My daughter was 13. And uh, she she suffered, uh, and and this is kind of an odd experience. At the time, it seemed like she escaped without really a scratch, some back pain. But it, what happened though was her L five vertebrae has this little what I call a rocker arm on it. That's not the technical term, but you know I'm not an orthopedic surgeon either. So, uh, but it broke, and it started causing trouble for her her junior year in college, mm-hmm. and. She had to have surgery, and that's been four or five years ago, and she is about to face another surgery. Mm-hmm. So there are oftentimes long-term impact on people mm-hmm. that it, it gets forgotten, you know, in, in all the things that life life moves on. For for both of you, how, how were those emotional impacts uh, for your children? For mine, very difficult. Uh, one of my children dove into opioid addiction. Uh, my other child ran and had a real struggle with God. Uh, and my daughter, uh, and both of them were in college. My daughter stayed here with me. Uh, our relationship grew very deep. And she is probably one of the most mature Christians I know of her age category and, and probably even older, um, even through her suffering. Mm-hmm. And she struggles with it, but at the same time, she always lands in the right place spiritually. And, and we're seeing progress with my sons, but it's been a, it's been a long and very painful journey. Mm-hmm. I, I would say for my kids, like, like uh, our kids were all at that stage of really making their faith their own plant, which is a, a white knuckle experience on good days. You right. know, that as you're watching these kids steeped in Christian culture and in, in Christian homes and what they do with that. So, you know, I would say that suffering made that a little complex. 
And sometimes when you go back to church and you're a very churchy person and you hear some, even as adults, these sweeping generalizations, Bible verses taken out of context, it, it can exacerbate pain yeah. and struggle. I mean, I experienced it, but then I had, you know, a 22-year-old and 18, 17-year-old kids kind of doing the same thing. But the Holy Spirit's still at work in that. Right. And just like the Holy Spirit's been at work in and as children, you know, over time, I've watched with my children work through that. And there were some ups and downs in that journey. But I see their faith on this side. Now that my oldest one is 41, you see where that has ended up to be really good fruit that's coming out of their lives. So, but, you know, anybody, let me just say this, anybody when their kids hit their early 20s and late teens, their children be making their faith their own. Right. And looking into the church and wondering, is this stuff really real? You add some pain and suffering to it, it's going to be complicated. Right. Well, it would be wow. complicated just being pastor's children. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and then you add all the other issues that, like Kathy just said. Man. So, um, so talk about now how you guys became acquainted with one another and give us a, a sense of what that was like. I'll let you tell the story. Well, somehow, I don't know how, Clint. And this, people that know me would be shocked too. I offended Ed when we first met. And so he didn't have a favorable opinion of me. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. <laughs> uh, I was, uh, listen, I was, when we first met, I was still very deep in my grief. And mm. Kathy was actually invited to come. My, my wife, Tammy, led the women's ministry and uh, would sign lineup speakers and everything for women's events. And, um, and so we, the church was really, she had really helped our executive staff navigate how, how to help me and what, what best to do for my family. And, and we deeply appreciated that. They deeply appreciated it. So they invited her to come speak. And that's the first time we met. And uh, we had a little encounters. It's minor, but it's funny today. But at the time, I, I'm telling you, my grief had just had me in a, in a bad place. I was, I, I, I tell people that grief is, and, and this is a picture of who I was at that moment, Grief is like flypaper. You've seen those canisters of flypaper, yeah. and, and they're ugly and they're, they're, they're unsanitary. And it, that, well, the thing about flypaper is everything sticks to it. Yeah. And so one of the most dangerous parts of dealing with grieving people is you don't want to, you don't want to say the wrong thing. And that's why Job's friends had it right for the first seven days. You know, they just wept. They just sat there yeah. quiet because I'm telling you, it's something's going to stick. Yeah. And, and, and basically, <laughs> I met Kathy in a green room, and, and, and I basically, there was some women in there, and they all left for some reason. I do not know why. The Are door you was open. tell this story? And, and she was had a, they brought in her microphone, and I said, there's a little clip on the back, and you just put it right back here. And I wasn't, I wasn't this close. I'm standing across the room from her. And I said, if you want, I'll clip it for you. Then why don't you tell what you said at that point? <laughs> I just said, I thought these women would come back to this area, Clint. I'm a pastor's wife. I said, you probably need some new boundaries during this season of your life. I need boundaries? <laughs> that, I'm sorry, wow. So anyway, you get, you get what happened. You I, know? I had boundaries coming out the Yazoo, and I didn't need a lecture on boundaries. At least you know that's what? how I saw it. it that's how I saw it, and that's what offended me. Wow. I hope yeah, this gets stupid. cut. So... I, given the situation you described, I'm assuming that there was some strategy on the side of your staff to sort of ship you guys. It could have been. It, it should have. You know, 
yeah, well, yes, it's possible. But anyway, God brought our lives together, and we have been <laughs> married 10 and a half years. 11 years this August. Yeah. And so how do you go from uh, she offended me to uh, we're married 10 years? <laughs> well... You know what? I don't even know. You know what? I, I kind of feel like I'm in front of a Senate subcommittee right now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm tapping on the microphone. Uh, Senator, I have no recollection of that question. Yes. We just fell in love. We got married. Yeah. Like, that's bottom it. line. That's where the romantic thing is. The best answer is we love each other. Okay. Well, we'll... You know, I'm going to tell you this, Clint, honestly. Um, most of us have a very lame definition of love. Yeah. Love has to be proven. Love has to be in its enduring difficulties, disagreements. You, you, you can't spend 25, 26 years with a, with a person and not have some severe adjustment issues. Mm. Uh, and, and there's adjustment issues when you get married at 18. But in your late 40s, there's adjustment issues. And, mm. and, and so we have just, let me tell you, we're a testimony of God's mm. grace. We're mm. only together because of God's grace. And, and she is an amazing woman. And, and, uh, and I thank God for her. I definitely see that God put her in my life because he was not finished with my, um, my sanctification. <laughs> and you know, he, he wasn't, and nor should he. Yeah, no, but I was far from, but you know, when you grieve, you tend to give, and people do this. This is the worst thing people do with grieving people is they give you way too much grace. And so yeah. they let you get away with murder. Wow. And, and you need somebody to say, you know what, cowboy? You're not that different. You need to get up. You need to go, you know. And now, wait a minute. Now you're really. That's true. But I tell you what, starting a second marriage, though, is taking us both back to school over what exactly happened in our first marriages. Mm-hmm. And the exact same process happened there. But the, the love that God has crafted in the middle of that has been a surprise to both mm-hmm. of us in a way. And I, I remember just this again, very personal two or three years ago, I told him literally, I didn't expect to love you this much. We both had really great marriages, not right. perfect. Uh, the work has forged out a love that I guess we didn't see coming. Maybe. Yeah. Now I was surprised Kathy the other day to hear you say that the way that you and Ed have related to one another concerning your previous spouses is a little different than I expected. Can you explain how, how you relate to Ed and Tammy and, and vice versa? We still have a powerful love for our former spouses. Uh, we have pictures in our home of both of our families together before we married each other. And, um, uh, Again, it's ironic of all the adjustments we've had, our former spouses aren't one of them. And never have been. We don't have, and I, we've talked about it enough, you know, those haven't been sticking points for us. And, um, you know, it's Mother's Day on uh, Sunday, and I'm, I just hurt for as children on this day. And I don't feel the least bit intimidated, I mean, about, the past and their mother or anything, but God's given us a particular grace there, which has been just what we needed. I can't speak for other couples. I don't, you know, other couples seem to struggle with this more than I would have thought, but it's been very beautiful. And our kids see it. Our kids recognize that. And that wasn't the goal, Clint, but Mm -hmm. 
turn out to be a really good fruit that's come out of our relationship. It really has. And, and the divorce culture we live in, people are so, they anticipate bitterness and rancor about yeah. the former marriage. But in this case, uh, two really great marriages, and we are grateful for them. And the other thing is, I tell men on a regular basis, when I'm speaking to men's groups or individuals, you can love two women at the same time, but one of them has to live in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're probably not going to be long for this world. You'll be there soon. Um, so, but, but the reality is, uh, the, other, the other thing is expectation. I, I don't think Kathy expects me to be Rick, mm-hmm. and I don't yeah. expect her to be Tammy. Mm-hmm. And, but you have to, the heart doesn't understand pain. It doesn't know, you, it's the mind that has to trace the pain cords back to their origin. Mm, man, that's good. You have, to, you have to figure it out, and that takes time. That takes patience. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the Word of God. It takes a good friend. Mm-hmm. And 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 one thing I will say, I I I ultimately love Kathy on all of those different levels. But her friendship, mm-hmm. I have a friend sitting next to me who understands. Yeah, and she knows wow. she knows darkness in life, and she sees it, and she goes, "That's that's a part of grief." Mm-hmm. And so it, you know, I think it was uh, Kathy and. Uh, uh, Keller, uh, the Kellers both yeah. said in their book on the meaning of marriage that that it is a journey together, and it's a journey for sanctification. It's it's a journey in a, in, a, in heading in the same direction. Mm-hmm. That's that's that is our marriage. Well, you guys have um, not just had had this aspect of your life that we've been talking about so much, but you've also, in the midst of that, been ministering to other people and you know, sort of pouring yourselves out into the lives of other people. So, um, I'm I, I I think I'm fuzzy on the details. Were you is the church you're at now the church you were at when the accident happened? Yeah, it is. I've I've been uh, there for twenty. It'll be twenty six years this July the first. Okay. And, um, and how has that process of beginning to minister together been for the two of you guys, Kathy, integrating into, into that world and all of that? Uh, you know, it, it's unique to enter into a place like in midstream someone's ministry. Uh, this, this congregation, this fellowship, this community have been very gracious. There have been opportunity for a lot of unusual things to happen, but they just haven't. And so... <laughs> I think the people have been very, very thoughtful and kind. They've been cautious as they, you know, you might suspect, uh, but they, they have treated me well. Um, I've never lived in the South before, Clint, so the culture of this area has been an adjustment for me, but not really the church, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so... Uh, but well, we talk about it a lot because both of us had a Western orientation, mm-hmm. being planters in Arizona and, and Rick and Kathy in Denver. Um, the South is different. It's different from the West. It's different from the Northeast. And it's got its issues. Yeah. If you, don't, if you don't understand what I'm talking about. Just read Dean and Sarah's book, you know, The Unstable <laughs> yeah. Christian. And you go, oh, okay, I understand. Yeah. No, I'm from the Deep South. Yes. Yeah. And, and so th- that's a part and parcel of this. So there's that cultural issue. But but I'm going to tell you, I really believe that Redemption Church has been uh, over-the-top gracious toward me from the day my foot landed on the property until this moment. Wow. And, and it's, uh, it's a testament to a, a, a terrible past in their own experience, a very divisive past, a past of, of destructive things that happened to divided families. And they said, we don't want to do that again. 
Mm-hmm. So what shifted for them was they, they honored the role of pastor. Mm-hmm. Now I planted a church thinking that then they would always honor my role. Right. <laughs> what happens is you take in members from other churches yeah. and, and they, and so my, 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 my mission church, my, my plant was far more challenging and difficult than redemption has been in that sense. It's not the way it's been easy, yeah. but it, but it definitely, it's the, it's the heart of this church. Mm-hmm. So most of the listeners to this podcast are going to be either um, not yet in vocational ministry or just in the be- very beginning stages of vocational ministry. So talk to talk to us about what you think in hindsight are some of the critical um, mindsets that have helped you uh, endure in ministry for so long and through such difficulty. Um. You know, this is, we both, Kathy and I both love and have all of our life, even before we met each other, loved Oswald Chambers. Yeah. One of my favorite things that Oswald says that is just so practical, he said, you can't be where you're not. And, and you know, most people that are in ministry, have, especially planters, I think, have ambition. And it's godly. It's, it's not wrong. Right. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, and I would say I'm in that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and but what's what's interesting though is I had all these ambitions, and, and I really didn't think I was going to be here very long. Mm-hmm. And and it it proved otherwise. God and His sovereignty proved otherwise. I remember after Tammy's funeral, I thought my roots just went much deeper in this community. Right. And 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 the, so that's that's part of an, a, a shaping and a developing and a maturing of my expectations. And, and so here's my, to answer your question, I quoting Oswald Chambers, you just have to be where you are and know mm-hmm. that God sovereignly knows your address mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't, you don't try to go somewhere else and you just say, Lord, if you open a door, obviously that'll be your hand, but I'm going to trust in you. You know what, Clint, Ed and I talked about this just a little bit briefly. And one thing that I think is a great predictor of, of longevity are a couple things. One is just character, a person's character, and their relationship building skills and health. Because in our in our lifetime, in our generation, people left, and you know, they left to get away from something. And sometimes it was something that was somewhat self-inflicted, you know, by themselves. And so, um, and, but Ed and I were talking and he talked about this morning, I'm going to remind what you said, like longevity is two sides of the pulpit, so to speak, that longevity isn't just about the pastor, it's about the people that if they have character and they have patience and they have healthy relationships, because sometimes you longevity isn't up to the pastor and his wife, you know, it's a, but I think having health and being able to create constant healthy creation uh, relationships requires those things. I said health, I mean, emotional health, relational health and character. Uh, people can shoot themselves in the foot by making really bad decisions and then not owning up to them. And usually then you start looking to go somewhere else. Right. No, that's, go ahead. I was just going to say that you just touched on something that I think is a novel idea. The, uh, I think there's a narrative out there that says um, if a ministry fails or closes up or you get fired from a church, that it necessarily at the end of the day, that was your fault. Um, and even though 
a lot of, you know, a lot of ministers are polite about the way they discuss it. The, the blame is sort of always put there. So, I mean, I, I, I think I heard you say, Kathy, there's such a thing as just a toxic environment and a, a, a person who's good intentioned, good charactered, and um, they, you know, they're be- essentially fall victim to, to a toxic environment. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you had a, who, was it Adrian Rogers? Someone you were telling me said something about that. It's the congregation play very much a role. In well, no, my mentor, uh, when I was in seminary, my, my pastor and mentor was Dr. Jimmy Draper. And, yeah. and Jimmy reminded me close to one of my anniversaries here, 15 or 20, but he sent me a note and he said, Ed, this isn't just your anniversary. This is and the church's anniversary. <laughs> And, <laughs> That's so true. And, well, it is. And, and it really is humbling because you begin to realize this isn't a milestone of my achievement. This is a, this is just a grace of God that would let yeah. us love and follow. And, and it's so it, it's, it's gotta be both. And my heart breaks for men in ministry who have never tasted that yeah. and long for it. And they, yeah. they're great hearted men and they have a, there's no reason in their character. There's no reason uh, that they shouldn't have that, except that sometimes they go into a wounded bride with a horrible past and they try to make all the corrections, mm. but people have to be willing to follow. Right. I think that longevity can be a story of a congregation willing to forgive and understand and a pastor willing to forget and build those relationships and keep doing it and keep doing it. It's not it's not a, it's just like a 25 year old marriage is not one without difficulty. It's right. one that worked through difficult. So is an anniversary at a church. Mm. Very similar. So talk to the the guy who's listening or the, the church planner wife who's listening today. They're totally a downtrodden because they, they tried their hand at ministry and, and, and it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard. And, and, and I would say this, you have to believe and trust that that is not going to be wasted experience, That's right. that God, uh, that God is going to use that. And I think of Tim Keller again, I heard Tim tell the story of in college, he was in a, a group that became just a, a revival, a move of God. Mm-hmm. But they drew the wrong conclusions from that. They, they, they threw off any organization. They were only led by the spirit. And he said, and, and you can tell when he started Redeemer in New York city, that he knew it was a balance of both, mm-hmm. that he would have to be an organizer as well as someone who was in touch with the fire. And, mm-hmm. and so what God has taught you through your suffering will not be wasted. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times though, we get so wounded in conflicts, and I've been through my share, we get so wounded in conflicts that we, we don't heal well. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to just tell you, all healing, and I've learned this from my daughter's experience and her difficulties with her back. A physician told me, he said, that all healing comes from the inside out. And so the inside has to take, you have to have time to do that. And hopefully, or maybe, maybe you step out of ministry for a while mm-hmm. and, and begin to realize that ministry is, is not what you thought, that mm-hmm. it's, it's greater than what you thought. Right. I think it, would, it wouldn't hurt a lot of us to have time away from mm-hmm. the official role of ministry to have to pay a, you know, payroll, have to, have to, you know, work hard and do the things that everybody else is having to do. Right. And it, it changes your perspective. Traumatic events like the ones we've gone through have taught us that God often reconnoiters our life. He often says, now you thought you were going by Northwest Passage, but actually it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take you through some high mountains and some deep valleys. Now, the name change for the church, 
um, it seems ironic now. Uh, when did when did that happen? It happened about six years ago. Okay. And, truth, and truthfully, it was it, it was out of a change when when I lost Tammy. Um, I was ready for a change in my life. I was ready to really evaluate my life. And God graciously took me through that. And I'm going to just tell you, this woman next to me has been a um, a intellectual partner. She has been uh, a a deep help to me in in my thought processes and challenging my thought processes. And and I kind of think out loud. So I will also express frustrations out loud like that. But, But I'm telling you, I'm working it out. Mm-hmm. And she has been an amazing help to me. Mm-hmm. And so in that whole reinventing thing, uh, I tell people my give a darn, that's not usually the word I use. <laughs> yeah. My give a darn broke. And yeah. I, the way I told my church is I said, my heart broke and I don't think it's ever going to be right again. Yeah. And <laughs> it's not going to be what it was. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so that led to a series of saying, you know what, let's do it. Let's do it. And it wasn't mm-hmm. reckless at all. It, it, I, I engaged more in thoughtful processes and planning with my team. I gave ministry away. I started raising up a new generation of young guys. I wasn't doing any of that. But Clint, I would say this. I watched them do this little homemade process. There wasn't a consulting company or it wasn't super fancy. <laughs> name change process and it worked <laughs> like a charm and incredible. not ed gets calls all the time particularly from southern church how did you change the name and he'll say this was the easiest thing ever happened in our church so i'm just saying that it was a beautiful transition our yeah. people love the name and nobody's look back let me, let me tell you this it wasn't a name change that wasn't our objective mm-hmm. our objective was to change who we were in in line put it in alignment with the gospel Mm. Word of God. And, and as we did, we began to realize, and the name was so organic. I had a group of 20 somethings that I pulled together, gave them some materials to read. And I said, I don't know what the name is. I don't have a clue, but it's Mm. going to come out of this group. And I'm going to tell you what, it just rose. Yeah, but it was multi-generational. It was a multi-generational group. And, and (laughs) so, but the interesting thing when they arrived upon the name, uh, the name was Redemption Church. And can I tell the story? Like they, we, you know, we're a tiny suburb like of Mobile, and then we're going to call it Redemption City. Am I not telling yeah. this right? And one of the younger guys on the team came back and kind of said, you know what? This will kind of confuse some of our older people. We're a multi-generational church, a healthy mm-hmm. one. They'll not say, why are we calling ourselves a city? And so they just dropped the city and yeah. named it. Now, nobody knows that it was the 25-year-old that was very thoughtful of everybody else. Redemption turned out to be the perfect thing. And they did this thing, and I'll just say this, it was one of the most chilling experiences I've ever had as a church leader. They had this certain way that they were going to introduce the name. Our congregation was full on a Thursday night, and they had this presentation, and this young girl walks out, a child, and said, and the name is... Redemption Church, and it just fell on this audience, Clint, and people just started standing up slowly and just kind of clapping mm. and clapping, and then the it got so emotional in there. It was so well received. So, That's and so it, cool. the whole audience just—it was a long-standing applause moment that was really powerful. Wow, I think wow. they were relieved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It could have been Bob's church, you know, Bob's uh, whatever. H two H two O church. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh man. Wow. What, what a great story. I mean, the, you, you certainly wouldn't write a story like this because it's, it's, it's so painful, but man, what a great story. Uh, inspirational to hear you guys talk about it. And thank you so much for being vulnerable. And I know this, you've told this story many times before, and I just, I just appreciate you being willing to, um, to put it out there again. So thank you so much. Well, I want to say this, Clint, and I, I think Ed would kind of concur with me. At the age we are, there are no more heroes that we admire than the, the entrepreneurial generation that's going out and facing lots of risk, mm. lots of uncertainty. They're not looking for a career up or to the right. They are out there to follow the kingdom of God to these hard places. And we both have immense admiration for them. Incredible. Yeah. And I love, I lo- and let me tell you the thing that benefits me the most in this process is I have been reverse mentored by more church planners mm-hmm. who have spoken into my life and helped mm-hmm. get my head straight about some things that I'm typical of my generation over. Mm-hmm. And whether it's racism, whether it's sexual issues and, and to mm-hmm. be able to speak to those with their help and to see how, how committed they are to evangelism and planting churches has been an inspiration to me. The other thing I would say Clint too, is that, it, the question of longevity. And, and, and as I shared with you earlier this morning, I got a phone call. I was prepping a room to paint in a laundry room. And uh, it was uh, a woman I have worked with. She's been my personal assistant for 24, almost 25 years. And uh, she literally died in her sleep this morning and her husband and their godly couple, Charles and Judy rush. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, my heart broke instantly. This woman has literally helped me pastor this church. All right. She's been in this church since she was a bed baby. But I'm telling you, no one ever has heard a whisper of confidential information come out of her mouth. Huh. And, and when I would counsel people, because I had a principle, um, a boundary, that uh, I would counsel a woman by myself, and especially in my single period. But, but even before that, Judy was a, an incredible counselor. So she would sit with me. Never say a word unless I directed her. Yeah. And there were times, countless times, I would look and I'd say, Judy, I think you have something to say to this. Yeah. And I'd get up and go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so we, we feel a profound sense of loss today. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and honestly, there's almost a, a sense of how, how are we going to pastor this church? I was just talking to my executive pastor. I said, because Judy knew everything and she knew everybody. And, help hold so much together. And, and let me just say this, Kathy and I both believe this. Churches are not uh, renowned or powerful because of the pulpiteer or right. the pastor. It's people like Judy. Yeah. It's a woman in Denver, Colorado, who has survived multiple pastors, but everybody in that church knows that she's the pastor of that church and not in a controlling way. Yeah. These are the most surrendered people to Christ and they, they love their pastor to a fault mm-hmm. and, and they overlook his faults and they pray for him. Mm-hmm. And, and I keep, a, I, I keep several pictures on my desk. One of them is of a, a woman who's been deceased for 15 years now. But when I tell people and they want to know about our story, they want to know about how this church has done through all the ages. I say, it's this, that little woman right there in that chair, uh, that woman, prayed this church into existence wow and and that's that if if god has chosen longevity it's because of people like that that's that's incredible thank you guys so much i appreciate you taking the time and um so encouraged by your life and ministry thank you thank you thanks glenn
Hey guys, I want to tell you about another really good church planting podcast called In the Trenches. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why are you advertising another church planting podcast on your podcast? Well, the reason I'm doing that is because this podcast is great. These two guys, Matt Hess and Jared Huntley, are practitioners and they've worked together for a long time in the hard soil of Canada around Toronto and they planted a church that multiplied and is now a network of churches in the Toronto area and this this podcast is practical and every week they take a subject related to church planting and they kind of dig into it and talk about it as practitioners the way they're applying it right now in their current churches and so i want to encourage you to check out the in the trenches podcast and we're going to try and experiment for a little while the in the trenches podcast is going to pick up on a theme that was mentioned in the previous week's church planting podcast interview and they're going to talk about that theme in a little bit more detail so i want to encourage you to check out the in the trenches podcast with jared huntley and matt hess you can find it anywhere podcasts are found or you can find it at their website get in the Thank you for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Ed and Kathy Litton. Josh Taransky produced today's show. Zuki Bastian was our showrunner and her husband Nick was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. Hey, if you'd like more information about the show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so check us out there on the social. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast. Oh,